My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At Ren, we really believe that God's Word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. This morning on Mother's Day, I want us to think together about our helpless human condition, uh, the hope of Christ and moms. I want us to think about our helpless human condition, uh, our hope in Christ and moms. And I want us to walk through a very uh, familiar Mother's Day text uh, from Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. I've made that up. This is not a familiar Mother's Day text from Mark chapter 7, but it does happen to be the next text in the book of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles with me, uh, please turn there, Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen. Uh, if you are here this morning and use the Version app, lately we've been uh, putting the message slides in the Version app. You can go to events on version and follow along if you want to kind of get ahead of uh, the rest of the class. It's kind of like having the answers in the back of your math book. Uh, you can look ahead, and then if you're like, ah, I don't think it's going to be that good, you can uh, roll out. I'm joking. Stay, stay. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon uh, to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him uh, to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epitha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying he had done all things well. And he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This morning I told one of our uh, village students who was here early uh, that we were going to be in this text this morning. I said, we're going to study a passage from uh, the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus does something miraculous. There is a man uh, who is deaf and has trouble speaking, uh, and Jesus goes up to him, puts his fingers in his ears, uh, spits, I think, on his hand, and then touches the man's tongue, and he heals him. And my friend looked at me and said, that's cool. And I thought, you're absolutely right. Uh, That is cool. What takes place here is cool. It is uh, miraculous, and it shines a light on Jesus. But I want us to think together this morning about our helpless human condition, uh, the hope of Christ and mom's. Um, The first thing that we notice in this text is that we daily experience the reality of life in a fallen world. 
We daily experience the reality of life in a fallen world. Verse 32 says, And they brought to Jesus a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Here we have a man uh, before us uh, who cannot hear. Uh, he has difficulty speaking. His, his life does not work right. Something's not working, right? He can't hear. He can't speak clearly. And it's a reminder for you and I that we live in a world uh, that doesn't always work the way that we want it to. Right? How many times have you experienced life and thought to yourself, I don't want it to go like this. Um, this wasn't my plan. Um, I wasn't hoping for this. Um, And yet you find yourself facing a situation uh, that you didn't want, that you didn't long for, and you wish would be changed. Uh, This man was experiencing a situation like that. He couldn't hear. He couldn't hear, and he he couldn't speak properly. Uh, Scripture teaches us that the reason that this man was experiencing what he was experiencing uh, was because we live in a fallen world. We uh, experience on a daily basis the fallout of the fall. Right? So it's not as if this man had sinned and because he sinned, uh, something terrible happened to him. Uh, It was the fact that this man lived in a fallen world, a world that doesn't work the way that we want it to. And so we read time and time and time again in Scripture stories about people who face circumstances that they didn't want to face. Uh, We read about the story in Job where Job's world crashes in on him and Job's friends uh, come along and they try to explain to him why it is uh, things are happening the way that they are and ultimately Job's friends are rebuked for doing so. Uh, There's a time in the Gospels where Jesus comes and, and heals a man who has been born blind and his friends and people in the community were coming alongside of him trying to explain away why it was that he was blind. They said, who sinned? Right? This man or someone in his family? Right? Who's to blame? Well, Jesus said, no, no one is. Right? We, we, we live in a fallen world. Life doesn't always work the way that we want it to. And And when we experience life in a fallen world, when we experience life in a way that it doesn't work the way that we want it to, uh, we grieve, we we groan, we want things to be changed, we want things uh, to be different. I just received a text message a couple days ago from an old high school buddy, and he said to me, "Uh, James, be praying for me and and my wife. Uh, He said, "We, we just lost our baby. She was 24 weeks uh, along. It happened uh, a year ago. It's happened uh, again. And I just read that, and I just thought, what in the world? I mean, stuff like that happens, and you grieve. And you're heartbroken over that. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 and through 24 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Creation groans. 
Like we as a people groan when your loved one is sick and there, there is no apparent easy solution or answer. You groan. You go, I don't want it to be like that. Right? When sickness arrives on your doorstep, you, you groan. You want things to be different and they're not. If you experience hurt, you groan when you feel pain You groan, this man who could not hear, this man who could not speak properly, I'm sure he groaned. People that knew him and loved him brought him to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you please do something about this? Will you please touch this man? Will you please heal him? Why? Because their their hearts groan because of the brokenness of the world. It is Mother's Day today, and I suspect that there are many women here who, who groan. You, you groan, you experience life in a fallen world, and you think to yourself, I don't want it to be like this. And yet, it is. Maybe you're here this morning and you have experienced the inability to have children, and so you groan. Right, you are here this morning like out of sheer courage to come. Right, because it's not easy for you. And in your heart groans. Maybe you've experienced uh, grief or loss. Uh, maybe your mom is no longer with us. And man, you miss her like crazy. So your heart is broken. You, you grieve. You groan. Maybe you're here this morning and you, kind of, you have all kinds of regret as a mother. You think, man, I wish that I would have done things differently. I wish that I could go back. I wish that I could change some things. Maybe uh, many days or most days or all days you feel like a failure or a disappointment. And you groan. You groan because you want the world uh, to be different than it is. Something tells me that this man who could not hear and had trouble speaking, he, he groaned over the reality that he lived life in a fallen world. And so his friends um, go to Jesus and they beg Jesus uh, to lay hands on him. And they come to Jesus because only when we encounter Jesus uh, can we truly be healed. And only when we encounter Jesus uh, can we truly be healed. This is uh, true physically, it is true uh, spiritually, it's true emotionally. Verse 33 of Mark chapter 7 says, And taking him aside uh, from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Uh, Jesus looked up to heaven, Uh, he sighed, and he spoke a word that is translated, be opened, and his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Again, here uh, we find Jesus in Mark chapter 7, being so Jesus-like. This is what Jesus does. Jesus invades our space. Right? Jesus presses into uh, our lives when most others would would move away or push back. Jesus uh, presses in. 
Uh, Jesus heals the man miraculously. He, he didn't tell the man to go to his family doctor. He didn't give him a prescription for something. Uh, a, apparently, uh, Jesus had the power to simply speak uh, and to heal. Think about the power of uh, the words of Jesus. Jesus, in verse 34, looked up to heaven uh, and he sighed. He said, be healed. And the man was healed. I want us to notice this morning that Jesus did uh, four things uh, as this man came before him. The first thing that Jesus did and does is that he initiates contact uh, with the incurable. Uh, Jesus initiated contact with the incurable. Jesus touched uh, the man. He reached out uh, to the man. A spit, what Jesus did when Jesus spit and touched the man's tongue, was considered in almost all circumstances uh, to be unclean. It was a bodily fluid. It was something that uh, would push people away. It would make them unclean. Uh, but Jesus spits and he touches uh, the man's tongue. Uh, Jesus did this when he ministered to others. Uh, Jesus touched people who society perceived uh, to be unclean. Right? So Jesus, when he comes face to face with a leper, instead of, of being grossed out or instead of uh, being appalled by what he sees, he moves into his life. Scripture says that when Jesus met the leper, he was moved with pity. Jesus uh, was so moved that he touched uh, the leper and he would uh, bring healing to his life. Um, the word in the Gospel of Luke, when it tells the story of Jesus healing a leper, says when Jesus touched him that he literally took hold of him. Uh, he, he firmly uh, touched the man. I mean, think about how easy it is uh, sometimes to, to be repelled or to be put off uh, by sickness or by disease or by people uh, who make us uncomfortable or squirm a little bit. Uh, so often we want to keep our distance. We want to move back. We want to stay away from people. And Jesus did just the opposite in his ministry. Jesus pressed in. Jesus moved in. Jesus wasn't appalled uh, by the things that put people off. And so we see Jesus here uh, invading the man's life. And when Jesus invaded his life, when Jesus initiated a conversation with this man, uh, a, a touch, uh, we read that the man's life was forever changed and altered. When, when Jesus moves into our hearts and into our lives, he changes us. Uh, one author said that love seeks intimacy, and the touch of Jesus is a tangible prelude of the fellowship that believers experience with him uh, through faith. Uh, Jesus invaded this man's life. Uh, he moves into our lives uh, all of the time, and he changes us. He presses in. The second thing that we notice that Jesus did is that he looked to heaven. Uh, when Jesus looked to heaven, it was a sign of dependence upon his Father. Right, so when Jesus was looking to his Father, uh, he was saying to him, uh, Father, God the Father, you're my source of strength, uh, and you are my source of dependence. Jesus operated and lived his life in submission to his Father's will. And so this isn't a picture of a football player who scores a touchdown and flips the ball to the referee and does one of these things. Right? You've seen that before? Right? You've got to give God some props. No, this is a sense of like 
Jesus, God the Son, is looking to the Father in dependence, going, God, I, 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 need, I need you. But I'm dependent upon you. And so we too look uh, to heaven. We look to God is our source of strength. The third thing that Jesus did uh, was that he felt uh, compassion. Scripture says that Jesus sighed. Isn't that interesting? He's just about to heal this man. But Jesus looks to heaven and uh, he sighs. Now there are other times in Scripture in the New Testament when we see Jesus moved in a profound way. Uh, When he comes to uh, the gravesite of Lazarus, it says in Scripture, when Jesus saw weeping and the Jews who had come uh, with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Uh, The word for uh, greatly moved or deeply troubled uh, finds its source in a Greek word that talks about a horse snorting. And the thought behind that is this idea of of feeling like deep emotion in the core of your being. Uh, One translation talks about this idea of the body of Jesus uh, trembling. Right? So when Jesus feels compassion uh, for people, he doesn't simply look at our plight and think to himself, well, that's too bad. <laughs> I mean, we've done that before. We go, oh, that's a shame. That's unfortunate. And that's rough. The scripture talks about this idea of Jesus being moved, of feeling compassion uh, for someone. Jesus felt Uh, for this man. He sighed. Uh, Earlier this week, I was talking to Amelia. We were walking up the stairs, going upstairs, and she looked at me and said something that I did not expect her to say. She said, Dad, some people, uh, she said, sometimes people feel sad. And she said, when people feel sad, uh, we can feel sad with them. And she said, Dad, sometimes people are happy. And when people are happy, we can be happy with them. And I thought uh, to myself, that is so biblical. <laughs> you probably got that from your mother, right? I mean, that, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, when you experience life in a fallen world, in a world that is hardwired not to work, uh, we, we sigh, right? We're, we're moved. We just don't simply think to ourselves, well, that's too bad but we're moved in the core of our being. Jesus felt compassion. The fourth thing that we notice is that Jesus changes us by the power of his word. Jesus changes us by the power of his word. Uh, Miracles in the New Testament um, always point to the power of Jesus, his ability uh, to heal. Uh, But Jesus in the New Testament and Jesus in the Gospels was more than simply a miracle worker. That's why oftentimes when he performs a miracle, he tells uh, the crowd not to tell anyone. Uh, And yet we read in stories like this um, the the power and the significance of the word of God. Uh, In Renegade this morning with our student ministry, our students were were taught a method in how uh, to study the word of God. Um, One of the reasons that we study the Word of God is not uh, simply to be informed, uh, but to be transformed. Uh, We want God to take His living and active and true Word and impart it into our hearts, and we want Him to change us. Uh, We we want to reflect Jesus. We want to be changed 
um, over the course of time, gradually into the image of Jesus. One of the ways that God does that is through the power of his word. Listen, if God's spoken word, if the the spoken word of Jesus is powerful enough uh, to allow a deaf man uh, to hear or a man who cannot uh, speak to speak uh, clearly, and if this is his word, if this is uh, the living and active word of God, then it makes sense to us uh, that that we would immerse ourselves uh, with the powerful word of God. Uh, God uses his word to change hearts uh, in lives. What we read about uh, taking place here is miraculous. Verse 35 uh, reads, And this man's ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Uh, the, The Greek word here is vivid. It talks about this idea of the chain of his tongue was broken. I think about that, that the chain of his tongue was broken, it was loosed. Uh, This man who at one point had difficulty speaking, more than likely there was a time in his life when he could hear and speak, and then after he became deaf, he had a speech impediment or or challenges in talking and communicating, and Jesus healed him. He, He loosed uh, the, the chain on uh, his tongue. We read about uh, the, the promise that there would be a Messiah who would come and who would do this, who would operate uh, this way earlier in Scripture. Psalm 107 verse 14 uh, reads, He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart, burst their chains apart. It's talking about the coming Messiah. Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. So the the way that Jesus is operating when he walks the face of the earth, uh, Jesus is simply doing what Scripture had prophesied the coming Messiah would do hundreds of years before Jesus showed up on the scene. So so Jesus is living this out before uh, the people. Uh, Jesus is doing what only Jesus can do, and Jesus is doing it well. I love what the people say in verse 36 and verse 37. It says, Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Verse 37, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Jesus gives clear instructions. Hey, listen, don't, like, don't tell anyone. Don't, don't tell anyone. But he didn't want it advertised because Jesus had a plan and a purpose for his life. And so he told, tells the crowds, don't say anything. And like telling a four-year-old what their brother or sister is getting for Christmas and saying, hey, don't tell your brother or sister. And what do they do? They immediately like V-line to their brother or sister and say, hey, I know what you're getting for Christmas. You're getting. Like that was them. Jesus is like, don't tell anyone. Like he commanded them, and they, go, they can't keep their mouths shut. They just keep talking. But one of the things that Scripture says that they said is that Jesus um, does 
all things well. And we see this lived out here, not just in this account in Mark chapter 7, uh, but all throughout the New Testament. Right, so there's these two overarching ideas that we see in Mark chapter 7. Uh, the first is that we're confronted with the fact that we live in the reality of a fallen world. Right, our story is certainly different than this man's story. Right, our, our sickness or our disease or the things that we wrestle with in our heart is unique to us. And so our story is not exactly like this man's story, but, but, but we still are affected by life in a fallen world. Right, and we see that in the text. The second thing that we notice is that only when we encounter Jesus can we be healed. Uh, only when we come to Jesus and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do uh, can we experience true healing uh, in life. Right, so I, I said this morning that I wanted us to think together uh, about our helpless human condition, right, the hope of Christ uh, and moms. And so I want to talk to moms just for a few moments. Um, I am uh, not a mother, and uh, so I, uh, I tread carefully uh, this morning. Uh, but I want to suggest uh, some challenges uh, to our moms uh, that I think we find in Mark chapter 7. And I, I simply want us to think about how Jesus moved and operated and consider what it would look like uh, for uh, moms uh, to do the same. Can we do that? And if I'm way off, just send me an email. All right, the first, first challenge uh, to moms is to do what Jesus did, um, to, to press in and not pull back, uh, to reach out and initiate with your kids. Jesus did this so beautifully. Right? He, he pressed and he moved in. Right? He, he was not scared or timid uh, when uh, he faced the mess. Right? Parenting is difficult. It's hard. Oftentimes, uh, parents are learning how to navigate uh, through the messiness. And it can be tempting uh, to pull back, uh, to kind of wash our hands a little bit, uh, to throw our hands up in the sky and go, listen, I'm not cut out for this. This thing is too big for me. It, it's all too often easy uh, to give our kids so much space uh, that, that we become absent. right? Because we don't want to step on toes. Right? We don't want to ask too many questions. Uh, we don't want to stick our noses where they don't belong. And so all too often it's easy to pull back when uh, I think more often than not that we should, we should press in, that we should initiate. This is how Jesus operated. Um, I think moms should do the same. Uh, secondly, look to God in dependence uh, in your parenting. Uh, look to God in dependence in your parenting. Remember, Jesus looked to heaven right, as a sign of dependence to the Father. Uh, in parenting, we should uh, often uh, look to God and ask for help. Um, totally cool uh, to read parenting books. Uh, it's wonderful uh, to watch videos on parenting. Uh, it is 
super helpful oftentimes uh, to ask other parents uh, for help. Um, All of those things are good, um, but don't do those things um, at the cost of not being reminded on a daily basis uh, that we are desperate, right? We're we're desperate, and so we look uh, to God and ask him for help. Mom, uh, daily go before uh, the Lord and simply say, God of the universe, would you please help me? Would you please help me? I think that is a powerful prayer. Third, um, sigh. Sigh. Man, sigh over uh, the brokenness uh, that you see in your children. Right? Sigh over the brokenness that you see in your children. Maybe even more so than being angered or frustrated or inside because your kids are not doing what you want them to do or they're making poor decisions. Sigh over the fact that, that your children uh, live in a fallen and broken world. Uh, and a sigh over the fact uh, that you too are broken. Right? One of the challenges of parenting is not just that our children wrestle with and struggle with brokenness. It's that our children's mom and dad are broken. We have issues. We have issues. Half the time we're just as messed up as our kids are. We're just older, right? And we do better at hiding it than they do. But we need help too. So moms, man, wake up in the morning and after you look to the heavens and ask God uh, for help, sigh. Man, weep over your broken heart and over the broken hearts of your kids. Fourth, moms, receive the word, give the word, speak the word, impart the word. One of, one of the ways that God changes us is through the power of his word. And so speak the word to your kids. I said, man, maybe, maybe you're not great at like family devotions. Maybe you don't have it written down on your calendar, 630. We're going to start going through the Greek and the Hebrew of a particular passage in the Old or New Testament. Like may, maybe you don't have all of that figured out. But, but they, listen, there are times when you open up the word. I do this with my kids. I... Man, I, I can be so lousy at this, but there's times where I open up the Word and I, and I read a verse. I just read a verse in the morning or in the afternoon or something I'm studying, and I go, man, that's really good. And, I, and I'll be driving the kids to school in the morning, or I'll be sitting down at the breakfast table or at the dinner table, or I'll be having just a passing conversation, and I'll just go, hey, man, I read this today. Man, this is so cool. Like, what do you think about this? Or I was so challenged by this. I can't believe what God did here. Can I share it with you? Can I tell you about it? Impart the word to your kids. When you're driving them to school in the morning, just share something that God's been doing in you. Share something from his word on the way to soccer practice. And when you're scrambling around trying to make dinner work at the end of the day, when you're taking your kids to dance or to volleyball or to a friend's house, and impart the word to them. God's word is powerful. And it's powerful. 
And God uses his word to change hearts and lives. How many times have you heard a story of someone who heard a verse? He's heard a word from the Lord, and it changed their heart. Sometimes it's not in a moment. Many times it's over the course of years or decades where you're just imparting the word into their hearts and into their lives. Moms, press in to your kids. Initiate. Look to God daily for a dependence. Sigh over your kids' brokenness and over your own brokenness. Um, Give them uh, the word. Speak the word. Impart the word uh, to your kids. You should do all of those things. And here's the thing uh, to remember. We live in a world where we experience the consequences of the fall. Like we, we live in a fallen world. That means if you are a mother here this morning, you will be uh, an imperfect one. You're going to be an imperfect one. Here's the deal. Every single person here this morning had an imperfect mom. You had an imperfect mom. And some of you are here this morning and your heart is full of gratitude because your mom knocked it out of the park. Man, praise God. Praise God. Some of you are here this morning and you're just going, it was messy. It was messy. All of our moms were imperfect. And we will all have uh, imperfect children. We'll all have imperfect children. I remember when Melissa and I were doing our premarital counseling, um, Dr. Blumenstock from the college that we attended, Cedarville University, was sitting down with us and he was asking us about our parents. And we were, I don't know, 21 years old. And so clearly we knew a lot about uh, parenting and we had already assessed the job that they did or didn't do and how good or bad it was. And so we're sitting there talking to our premarital counseling on all of our vast wisdom and parenting and and what our parents did well and where they uh, kind of fell short. And, uh, (laughs) And I remember walking out and I just, I looked at Melissa and I'm like, I'm like, holy smokes, like, our kids are going to be doing that someday. <laughs> they're going to be sitting down when they're 22 or 25 or 35 or 45, and they're going to be sitting down with some counselor, and they're going to be like, Dad, man, he was a pastor, but they're going to have stories. They're going to have stories. Because we're imperfect parents. We come from a long line of imperfect parents, and we have imperfect kids. And parenting um, is incredibly difficult. Perfect parenting is impossible. It's impossible. I mean, just think about the decisions that you're making on a daily basis. Just think about the times when you're trying to press in to the life of your son or daughter and, and other times when you're trying to give them space. Think about the times when you ask them, how was your day? And they say, fine, when really it was the worst day that they ever had. And they really desperately want you to ask them another question and press in. Or think about the days when they tell you it's fine and they want that to be the end of the conversation. Right? And you're trying to figure out how to navigate through that. Think about the times, moms, when you're trying to decide when you need to be mama bear. Right, and swoop in and heads will roll because you want to protect your baby who's like 17 or 18. Or you want to protect them. Think about the times when you're trying to figure out, hey, when do I move in and press in and when do I just let them 
learn. And you're trying to figure all of that stuff out. And that's, that's just the small stuff. You're navigating through relationships and breakups and what they want to do when they grow up and heartache and lost friendships and all this. I mean, I mean you just, I'm just saying it right now and I'm having a breakdown. My heart's full of anxiety. Right? It is an impossible task. We live in a fallen uh, world. And here's the thing. Only uh, when we and our children encounter Jesus can we truly be healed. And only when our kids encounter Jesus and when we encounter Jesus can we be healed. And so often our our biggest longing for uh, for kids is for our kids to be well-behaved, to be contributing members of society, uh, to not not act out when we go to a restaurant, to not embarrass us. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible benchmark for your kids. Terrible benchmark for your kids. Man, our longing as, as parents, your longing as a mother should be that Jesus, that Jesus captivates your son or daughter. Man, your longing for your kids is that Jesus is their sole source of strength and hope, that he is their greatest affection in life, and all that other stuff. Man, just let the chips fall where they may. But man, pray to the God of the universe that your son or daughter would be captivated by Jesus. But that doesn't happen unless Jesus captivates their heart. And only he can do that. Only he can heal our broken hearts. Only Jesus can invade us. Only Jesus can come into our hearts that are so distracted and so willing to pursue lesser things and go, no, I'm better. Man, I'm better. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Thankfully, uh, Jesus uh, does all things well. That's what verse 37 says. Jesus does all things well. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death. All of his uh, promises are trustworthy and true. Uh, This is your hope. It's my hope. It's the hope for our children, for our students, that Jesus uh, does all things well, that he uh, does all things perfectly. There is nothing in him that is not good. And so, uh, moms, when you feel uh, like you don't measure up or you sense that you fall short of super momdom, uh, sigh, uh, grieve over the brokenness uh, in you uh, and in your children. Uh, And then, very quickly, Look in dependence uh, to the God of the universe who initiated contact with you. Uh, The God who changed you and changes us through the power of his word. And remember uh, that God uh, does all things well. Praise God for that. Would you pray with me? Father God, we look to your son Jesus as uh, our only source of hope and life. 
Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you do um, all things well. Thank you that you have been a perfect parent uh, to us. Uh, God, I, I pray uh, for us, your people, this morning, uh, that you would remind us of what is true and right about you. I pray that you would draw our uh, attention to your son, Jesus. I pray that uh, we would not be hindered uh, or held back uh, by just by longings that we have in our hearts to be perfect. Uh, I pray that you would release us uh, from that. God, I pray for the ladies who are here this morning that are here uh, by faith, and they are showing uh, a massive amount of courage. Uh, just, just for coming. Lord, their hearts long for something they, uh, they have not yet experienced. Would you uh, just be gracious and kind to them? Uh, for our moms here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill their hearts with hope, uh, fill their hearts with courage, be gracious uh, to them. Remind us, Lord, that we live in a fallen world, but uh, it will not always be. And so we look forward to that day. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.